freedom 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 over fame freedom over cycle stays the same welcome first of all welcome this is unsolicited perspectives i am your host bruce anthony thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your podcast and video podcast subscribe share like comment and rate us you can find us on instagram youtube and twitch at unsolicited underscore perspectives on twitter and tiktok at unsolicited underscore per watch us live every thursday night 7 30 p.m eastern on youtube and twitch our audience continues to grow with each and every episode and i humbly thank you on today's episode i'm going to be talking about eminem melly mel beef a group of people called the Melungeons, and a story from back in the day. But first things first. Hey there, podcast listeners. It's Bruce Anthony here, and welcome to another episode of Unsolicited Perspectives. Today, I want to talk to you about something that's been on my mind lately, the importance of staying hydrated and taking care of ourselves. Whether it's prioritizing our health and wellness, or gearing up for festival seasons, or just gearing up for whatever season or time of year, there's one brand that's been my go-to for all things hydration, Liquid IV. Speaking of health and wellness, let's dive into how Liquid IV can fuel your well-being. Imagine starting your day off right, feeling refreshed and energized. Liquid IV Hydration Multiplier is the missing piece in your daily routine. With just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. It's perfect for those early mornings, pre-workout boosts, moments when you're just feeling run down, or even after a late night or long flights. I absolutely love how convenient Liquid IV is. The packaging makes it easy to bring with me wherever I go. And let me tell you, it's become vital daily part of my routine. The flavors, <laughs> let me tell you something, they're incredible. From refreshing sea berry and strawberry lemonade to classics like lemon lime and watermelon, there's a flavor for every preference. It's like a burst of hydration with a hint of deliciousness. Picture this. One stick of liquid IV mixed in 16 ounces of water, hydrating you two times faster and more efficient than water alone. And with 12 mouthwater and flavors, you'll never get bored with your hydration routine. Plus, liquid IV is packed with five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and of course, vitamin C. It's also made with premium ingredients, non-GMO, free of gluten, dairy, and soy. This is hydration at its finest, but it doesn't stop there. Liquid IV believes that access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. That's why they partner with leading organizations finding innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. It's incredible to know that Liquid IV has already donated over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. They truly walk the talk. Get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use code unsolicited at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop Better Hydration today using promo code unsolicited at liquidiv.com. Remember folks, taking care of ourselves should always be a priority. So why wait? Head over to liquidiv.com, pick your favorite flavors and experience hydration like never before. Stay refreshed, stay hydrated, and keep rocking those unsolicited perspectives.
We just celebrated, or we're in the process of celebrating 50 years of hip hop. That's right. Hip hop is older than me. And what's so funny about this 50 year celebration of hip hop is hip hop beefs. There's always been hip hop beefs. Uh, just in my lifetime, when I was listening to music, you got uh, KRS-One beefing with folks. You got uh, Kumo D and LL Cool J. You got, of course, uh, Nas and Jay-Z, Ja Rule and 50 Cent. And uh, Billboard just came out with the top 50 greatest rappers list. And on the list were two rappers who are currently beefing, Eminem and Melly Mel. Eminem was placed fifth, which I don't know if that's the proper placement. He should probably be higher. And Melly Mel was placed 48. And Melly Mel had a real problem with this, saying that if Eminem was a white, was a black guy instead of a white guy, he would just be average. Using that same old reverse racism. I don't know if it's really reverse racism because racism, they have to have the power structure. But okay, so let's just put it in simple terms for people to understand reverse racism. It's the same thing that they said about Larry Bird. If Larry Bird was black, he would be just another good basketball player. In fact, it matter is Larry Bird is one of the greatest basketball players that ever played the game. Black or white, doesn't really matter. Eminem, also, one of the greatest lyricists I'm not going to put him as the greatest lyricist, but that's because of my own personal opinion. To me, the greatest lyricist of all time was Rakim because he was the first. He was the originator. And I guess when you're the first, you're always held in reference. But Eminem, I mean, Eminem is one of the greatest of all time. That's plain and simple. And Billboard thought so, too, putting him fifth. Uh, But Melly Mel didn't think so. And Melly Mel uh, attacked Eminem. So what did Eminem do? Eminem decided to come out with a little bit of a diss. Uh, so the beef started in March uh, of this year, 2023, when Melly Mel, a pioneer of hip hop and a member of the Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. He is a godfather of hip hop. He didn't start it, start it. But he's one of the people that kind of took a, a handoff on the second down and got us closer to a first down uh, as far as using, you know, sports analogies or whatever. People out there that watch football understand what I'm saying. Uh, He claimed that his success of Eminem's success was largely due to his skin color. He said if Eminem was black, he would just be considered one of the one of the top. He wouldn't be considered one of the top five rappers alive. Um, Eminem responded with a diss track called The Realist, which was leaked online in July of this year, 2023. In the track, Eminem mocked Melly Mel's age, relevance and legacy. He's taking a shot. I mean, he's no longer relevant. Well, now he's relevant. But I mean, Melly Mel hasn't been re- relevant in the rap game. Let's put it this way. I've been a rap fan since about 88. You know, I, I think that's when I really started getting into rap around 88. Uh, Melly Mel, I, I didn't know anything about Melly Mel at that time. He was not relevant at that time. And that was in 88. So, of course, he wouldn't be relevant in, in 2023. Uh, I don't know about attacking his age. And, you know, that's, you know, it's a big ages. Uh, his legacy, he does have a legacy in the rap game. That is absolutely the truth. Um, he's one of the, the pioneers of the rap game. Eminem also accused him of being jealous, bitter, and hypocritical. Now, that is true. Uh, on Math Hoffa's 
podcast, video podcast, you can find it on YouTube. Um, Method Man was on, and this isn't a verbatim quote, but he's just said, you know, Melly Mel hasn't shown love to the younger rappers and has always kind of shitted on them a little bit when the rappers like Method Man were huge fans and they've only wanted to show love, that love hasn't really been reciprocated. So Melly Mel might actually be better. And I would understand if you're one of the pioneers but haven't reaped the financial rewards, that sucks. But here's the thing with pioneers. Pioneers, this is a thing. If you're a pioneer, you don't get to get the spoils of the war. Your spoils of the war is accolades and, and recognizing the fact that you were one of the people that helped get us to this point. But pioneers rarely get the the gifts and the spoils of war. So, yeah, that's unfair. He said, my, now this is Eminem saying this. Eminem said that Melly Mel was not a real pioneer of hip hop, but a follower of other artists like the Sugar Hill Gang and African Bumbada. He also said that Melly Mel was not a real MC, but a singer who used hooks and melodies. All right. Well, that's true and false at the same time. Let me explain. Melly Mel is a pioneer because he took he took what was ahead of him and progressed it along. So in that essence, he is an absolute uh, pioneer. At the same time, he did follow artists like Sugar Hill Gang and Africa Bubata. But I would say that Eminem is a direct descendant of Rakim, right? So could Eminem be a pioneer of rap? Yes. You know, I mean, he's he's a goat. He's one of the greatest of all time in rap. I hate when people say one of the greatest of all time. You're either the greatest of all time or not the greatest of all time. He's not the greatest of all time. I don't know who really is the greatest of all time. If you have my opinion of who the greatest rapper of all time is, I would have to say Jay-Z because he's been relevant for so long and he's and he's a lyricist as well. And he's made hits for the club, for the car rides and all this stuff in different genres of music when he crossed over and did that little mix up with Linkin Park. That's just my personal opinion. As far as wordsmith, Eminem is right up there. I don't know if he's the greatest wordsmith because like I said, I choose Rakim over Eminem, but Eminem is second to me as far as being a wordsmith. He took, he's actually, is he a better, he's a, his, his entendres and the way he does his raps might be a little bit better than Rakim, but Rakim is still the pioneer and the one that started it. And he did it and he was light years ahead of everybody else at that particular time with that rap style. But Eminem is a follower of Rakim. It, we're all we, I'm not a rapper, even though I claim to be. I did have a mixtape in uh, 2001 that never hit the streets. Matter of fact, my boys laughed at me. Uh, I still thought it was hot. And some of my friends still quote some of the songs. So obviously they were a little catchy, but rappers are all descendants of people before them. So you're all followers. You, you took something because you were a fan first, and then you take borrow you borrow from other artists that's just, just kind of what it was so that's what eminem did in his dis, diss track the realist <sighs> melly mel decided that he was going to retaliate now let me let me rewind and say when melly mel was actually rapping this was the early 80s and i'm not talking about like mid 80s 84 85 hear what i said the early 80s 82 83 Back then, they was doing them Dr. Seuss rhymes, you know, like red is blue and blue is green. Man, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that, like that's that's what they were saying. One, two, three, four, 
I'm coming through. I'm kicking in the door. Like these were the rhymes that they were doing back in the day. And he decided because Eminem came out with a diss track that he was going to come out with a diss track as well. And well, uh, he retaliated with his own diss track called Melly Mel's response to Eminem's latest disc. That was actually the name of the diss track. Melly Mel's response to Eminem's latest disc. So you have the realist. That was Eminem's diss track song. And Melly Mel's diss track song was literally called Melly Mel's response to Eminem's latest diss. Just from the titles, we see this ain't going to be a good fight. Uh, It was released on August 8th, 2023. And the track Melly Mel called Eminem a piss. I said that right. P-I-S-S. Piss and a Pee-Wee Herman. Now, shout out to Pee-Wee Herman, who just passed away at the beginning. It was last week or the week before. In uh, the 80s, Pee Wee Herman was huge. Pee Wee's Herman, Big Top Playhouse, all those movies, the TV show. I was on it. Pee Wee was huge. He had two movies. This was when movies, like, they weren't getting greenlit like they are now where everybody has a movie out because we have all these streaming platforms. It was a lot harder. Pee Wee Herman was so popular. He had big movies. Once again, Pee Wee Herman was in the 80s. That's when he was relevant in the 80s. So not only did Melly Mel call Eminem a piss, he called him Pee Wee Herman in his rap in 2023. Okay. Okay. That's that's all I had to say. Uh, in, the, in the diss track, Melly Mel also questioned his credibility, his skills, and influence. I, I don't know how Melly Mel could, can question his credibility or his skills or his influence. Um, If you want to say Eminem maybe didn't have an influence in black culture, I mean, maybe there could be an argument for that, but rap and hip hop is black culture. And he spawned some lyricists who were also black because very few people in the black community will say Eminem don't have skills. Like everybody would say Eminem can rap. Uh, there are some people that just don't want to give him his credit when his credit is due, but 50 cent praise 50 cent said it best. And I think it was the, the documentary, the art of dialogue, uh, when they were talking about hip hop and he's like, it, it, this is a paraphrase quote, but he said, you know, it really pisses off a lot of people when the best rapper and the genre that we created is white. And and maybe that is so. I never cared that he was white. But yes, of course, there's some people in the black community, that obviously Melly Mel, that, that cared that Eminem was, was. He still is white. Like Last I checked, he woke up this morning and he was still white. But to, to not say that he had credibility or skills or influence in this culture is just wrong, Melly Mel. So this is these are the things that he said in this in his rap. He said that Eminem was ducking the game. The game is a rapper who's been wanting to who's been taking shots at at uh, Eminem to try and battle rap. Game does not want that. Now, Game is also a person who's a lyricist. He's a good wordsmith. I like Game. Game is not better than Eminem. He don't want them type of problems. Um, and he said that Eminem was not worthy to be in the Hall of Fame. Like I, Eminem is worthy to be in the Hall of Fame just because of many, as many records as he sold. No rapper has sold as many. He has the highest grossing album, rap albums of all time. Period. Period. 
So it's it's not even close. Eminem absolutely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, Melly Mel was hitting them one, two, three ABC raps. And the diss track was widely criticized and ridiculed by fans and media outlets. Many people say that it was the worst piece of music released in 2023. <laughs> Look, the worst piece of music released in 2023. We're still not done with 2023, but I guarantee you, at the end of 2023, it will absolutely be the worst music that was released in 2023, 2022, 21, 20, 19, 18, 19, 97, 65, 4, 3, 2, 1, 88, 87, 86. It was a horrible song. Okay, that's the point I'm trying to make. It, uh, a lot of people criticized it because it said it was poorly written. He was hitting them ABCD rhymes, produced and performed. Uh, they also said that it was irrelevant, outdated, and disrespectful. Some people even said it proved Eminem's point about Melamel being jealous and bitter. It absolutely did. Uh, on August 13th, 2023, so just a couple of days ago, Melamel issued an apology for his diss track on social media. He said that he regretted making it and that he accepted full responsibility for his misjudgment. He said that he recognized Eminem's exceptional prowess as an MC, and that his choice of words were misguided and ill-conceived. He said that he wanted to contribute and engage an enjoyable endeavor to enrich the culture landscape, but his response fell short in its execution. He also acknowledged that Eminem's fans base, fan base stood unwavering by his side, which was commendable. Basically, what Melly Mel said was that, uh, bro, I lost this battle. And of course he lost that battle because he was hitting them ABC one, two, three rhymes. Like, look, okay. In life, young always replaces the old. I don't want, if Jay-Z came out with an album right now, would I listen to it? Yes, because it's Jay-Z and he's my favorite rapper. But if anybody else from the late 90s, early 2000s came out with an album, would I listen to it? I mean, if I would catch it on, on Apple Music, maybe, but I'm not going out of my way to listen to album. I'm not, I'm not going out of my way to listen to an Eminem album right now. Like, I... I I, I feel like it's a young person's game. And at a certain point, you age out of it, I think. But it's been only 50 years of this genre. Do they age out of it? I don't know. I mean, yeah, obviously, Jay-Z could come back. Nas just did something that was hot a, a couple of years ago. I mean, maybe you don't age out of it. Maybe certain people don't age out of it because they're so well. They transcend the, the current times or they adjust to the current times. But... The late 90s is a little bit different than the early 80s. And Melly Mel was completely out of place trying to battle Eminem. And he lost and he paid for it. And it's sad because I ain't never got beat so bad that I just came out and just apologized to the world that I was completely wrong. <laughs> that's, that's how bad he got. He got humbled so much because he was coming at Eminem with such venom, such vitriol. He got humbled so much. That he just like, hey, I got to give it to him. The boy's good. This was, the, he responded to Eminem and then apologized after he responded because it was trash. So for all you old people out there that want to keep these young folks, uh, young always replace the old. That is what it is. Don't try and mess with Eminem. He's a real MC. He should be 
commended and credited for everything that he contributed to this genre. Doesn't matter that he was white. Did white open some doors as far as mass appeal to him? Obviously, yes, it did. But he was bad regardless. When I mean bad, I mean bad isn't good. Like the dude was fire. His lyrics are fire. And if you listen to some of his older stuff, uh, like it's still hot today because he was just that good. So congratulations to hip hop. We got a beef that we didn't want, but that we, <laughs> at the end of the day, it was uh, comical. And I implore everybody to go out there and listen to Melly Mel's, what's it called again? Melly Mel's, uh, Melly Mel's response to Eminem's latest diss. <laughs> it's not hard to find, and you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. It was ABC 123 rap, and you can get away from me with all that crap. I had something interesting come across my TikTok timeline, and I'm not, I get on people all the time about using social media as an instrument to learn. Um, I'm going to, my background being a historian and, and doing that little bit of time studying journalism, I do research. That's, that's what you do. You do research. Uh, but every now and then something will come across my timeline on social media that sparks an interest. And a gentleman uh, created TikTok that talked about uh, hillbillies, right? And this misconception of hillbillies and where they come from and what we identify as hillbillies and where they come from and, and their background. And basically he was explaining uh, the Melungeons which I had never heard of before. Uh, and so I, he was, he went through his detailed explanation of what Melungeons were. And I was like, okay, this is somebody on TikTok explaining to me what Melungeons are. Let me do a little bit more research. And what I found out was extremely, extremely fascinating as far as the backgrounds of Melungeons and their importance uh, their historical importance in the discussion of America and why learning about history, the true history of this country is so very, very important. So much of the atrocities of this country get swept under the rug at, or whitewashed. And I, I mean that literally, whitewashed. It's white people rewriting history. And and let me be clear, it's not all white people. It's white people who don't want to feel ashamed about the past. And and in the common the common thing that gets said is that didn't have anything to do with me. Why do I need to be faced with this? Why should I feel ashamed about it? And a shame is or guilt, that's your own thing, right? If you feel ashamed of guilt, as I've said before, guilt is nothing more than an arrow and that moral compass. That's it, right? If you feel guilt, there's a reason why you feel guilt. Um, and why should you feel guilty? You know, this country has some atrocities, right? And, and they should be whitewashed. And also, it's really selfish to enjoy all the benefits of this country that you had no part of. What I mean by that is you weren't out there fighting in the Civil War. You weren't out there fighting the British to gain independence. You weren't. Those were people that were before you. But you still take part and celebrate everything that you get from that. 
freedoms, democracy. Right. You can't take the good without taking the bad. It's all encompassing, right? You have to take all of it, not just the good, and you can't pick and choose what you want. This is history. This is the truth. There's some good things about this country, and there's some bad things. The Melungeons. The Melungeons are a community that uh, was based in the Appalachians. And the Appalachians stretch from like North Carolina, South Carolina to Virginia. And that's where these people basically spread out. Now, their ancestry is interesting because they're mixed ancestry. They're mixed with European, African, and Native American. All these people merged together in the late 1800s, went off into the Appalachians and like created these communities. What does that mean? It was a mixed community. That's what they were. They were white and black people and Native Americans all mixing together, basically the country. Um, where does the name come from? As far as Melungeons, it comes from, you know, different backgrounds. It's, it's basically, at the time that it was created, it was a slur. Now we use it to actually define who these people are. Um, I looked up if, if there was a different term, like we don't call them Indians anymore. We call them Native Americans or indigenous people. Um, I think it's the new term. There, there was the, the, these group of people didn't have an evolution on what they are called. If they do, please, by all means, reach out to me. I'm always wanting to learn more. The research that I was doing, I didn't find anything, but trying to find a lot of research on these people was very, very difficult in the first place. Now, why am I bringing all this up? I'm bringing all this up to teach you about history. I'm a history teacher, but there's going to be a plot twist at the end. So it's very, very important that you listen. Truly, truly is important that you listen. Um, they were they were concentrated around Tennessee and Virginia border with about 40 families that mixed together. They adopted various exotic origins to avoid discrimination and legal penalties. So because they were of African descent in these areas where it's after the Civil War, but it still ain't good for black folks, right? Still ain't good for people of color. Still ain't good for Native Americans or anything like that. They they tend to say that they were more of European descent because remember, they're mixing all together. So they're all different types of shade. But as you continuously mix, mix people together more and more and more and more, they get lighter and lighter and lighter, right? Like if you have a big thing of chocolate and you pour some milk in there, pour a little bit in there and it's got a little lighter, pour a little bit more milk in there, Got a little bit more lighter. Think of that. Just and conversely, think of if you got a big glass of milk, you put a little bit of chocolate in there. You put a little bit of chocolate, it's, it's darker. A little bit more chocolate. The more and more chocolate you put in there, it gets darker. The more and more milk you put in there, it gets lighter. So uh these people are mixing together, but they're trying to deny their African and Native American heritage because of all the discriminations that are going on. This is after the Civil War, but it still ain't nice for these folks. So they said they were more European. But what ended up happening was because they were still of a darker tent, they were created. Name was given to the Melungeons, which was a derogatory term at the time. It probably still is a derogatory term. So that's going to be the last time that I say that for this broadcast to describe these people. They weren't black. They weren't indigenous folks, they were them. Um, so what were some of the discrimination and prejudices that they faced? 
as like with most people of color, they were denied uh, voting and marriage rights based on classification, exclusion from schools, churches, and social institutions. Stereotypes and accusations uh, were cast upon them as such as they were being ignorant, lazy, or criminality. Huh, What? where do we hear this a lot? Well, we hear this as a description of black folks. We hear this description as, ah, we heard this as a description of Irish folks too, back in the day. And we hear this description of everybody crossing the border. I wonder why they portray people like this. They portray people like this and they give these people these portrayals is to create classifications of you are better than them. And when, they, and when I'm saying that they are saying you are better than them, that you are other white people who don't have as much money as when they say those people that are saying they are better than them are rich white people. All of this stems from wealthy, rich white people trying to maintain power. Uh, they face violence uh, and harassment from white supremacists with the Klan at the time. Uh, and external pressures and concealment of ancestry to avoid ostracization. So they would hide who they were just to be able to maneuver in this world. And some of them were passing, you know, some of them were passing and didn't get discriminated against. Uh, another very, very important thing that needs to be described about what happened to these people is the land that they were sitting on. These people were on rich natural resources, land in Appalachia region, like coal and timber and minerals. So what would happen was rich industrialists would come in, offer these people pennies on the dollar for their property, buy their property, create these coal mines and, 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 and get out all of the resources that they could as far as business. Then they would hire these people as cheap labor, wouldn't pay them well, wouldn't give them any benefits and didn't give them any benefits despite the fact that they were working in environmentally hazard and health risk industries uh, like coal. Everybody understands how dangerous coal mining is. So not only were these people sitting on land, not only were that was profitable, to rich white people. Rich white people came in, bought the land from them. And you say, well, they bought it, they sold it. Yeah, but these people didn't know what they were sitting on. And, and you can say, well, that's the American way. And that's the point I'm trying to make. The American way seems to be shysting the next guy, getting over on the next guy. Why is it that we look down upon that cliched theory of used car salesmen trying to get over on you or just car salesmen in general trying to get over on you and the captains of all the industries and the oligarchs of America, because we have those as well, whether you want to admit it or not, the oligarchs of America aren't pointed at and looked at as the same. They're the same. Okay. So they stole the land from these people built these industries, got rich, employed these people, underpaid them after stealing their land and put them in harsh working conditions. Why? Because they thought they were lazy, shiftless and beneath them, despite the fact that they're doing some of the hardest manual labor there is out there. Um, so it was just cool to research and, and learn about these people. I employ all of you guys to go out there and learn some more, but this is just a little bit more about American history. Where are they now? Scattered because I was talking to my friend who was Italian and I asked her, what do you consider yourself? She's like, well, I'm white. And I said, that's funny that you would consider yourself that because 
who came over from your family? And she was like, it was your grandparents came over. I was like, okay, your grandparents came over. Um, so your dad was born here. Yes. No, no, her dad came over. Grandparents are dead. Her dad came over, but no, it was grandparents. Excuse me. The grandparents. So the grandparents came over and they gave their kids American sounding names. They didn't speak Italian in the house anymore. And they were told to assimilate into American society. You know, like those people that say we speak American here, which shows how much of an idiot you are when you say we speak American, but okay. Right. You assimilate. In the beginning, Italians weren't white. They weren't. They were part of an underclass. But through time, as the demographics of this country begin to shift and the rich white elite see we're going to become outnumbered. Hmm. As long as they assimilate and they are a fair or close to white skin, we'll go ahead and label them white. So much so to the point now when you fill out a form. What are the different nationalities that they have on there that you could pick from? There's white, there's African-American, there's uh, Latino, and then there's Latino of African descent most of the times because they're trying to differentiate between are you black Latino or are you white Latino? And there is black Latino and white Latino. All right. Um, they, I think Native American is on there and indigenous and dangerous. Oh my God, I cannot speak to say indigenous people, uh, Asian American and Middle Eastern, right? Like those are the differentiators of the census. So for all those people that were considered non-white when they first got here, they're now considered white, Italians, Jewish people, Irish people were the first indigenous servants and literally and New York had signs where it'd be like, no dogs, no Irish, right? Now they're white. Now they could be accepted in white because the demographics of the world changed. So a lot of these people that were living in these Appalachians, uh, they had the, this land stolen from them. They had already, had already going back to the late 1800s, the early 1900s, decided to hide their ancestry in order to fit in to society so that they would not be discriminated against. In essence, losing their culture, that's the American way. You either conform to what we do here or we're going to make your life living hell. And it's funny because I didn't know anything about these people. I'm a historian. I'm a historian. I study American history and I knew nothing of these people. How much history do you think is out there? of people having atrocities done to them that you just don't know about. And so in that essence, going back to my original thought process, social media can be a good tool to open up people's eyes to certain things. I caution people to just take the social media aspect and run with it. Like don't take those short clips that you see on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and then run with it as fact. Let it create a spark. And then do a little bit of research and figure out what the truth is on your own. A lot of information you got to find for the atrocities that this country has done. A lot of times you got to dig deep to find it. But luckily, through technology and scholars that are writing about this stuff, that have been writing about this stuff, where you can find the information, uh, you can you can gather and you can learn. Now, I told you that there was a plot twist. Now, remember. 
I told you that the, the origins of these people are European, so white, African, so black, and then Native American, indigenous folks, right? They were white, black, and Native American, which means that they were part black. A lot of them were black. If you took Virginia's one drop rule, they were black. So who are some of the prominent people that are in this group? You'd be amazed. Abraham Lincoln is number one on the list. We always said he was the first black president. Now we got a little bit of proof. He, he was, he, he's one of the people. He's one of the, the famous Melungeon people. Uh, Elvis Presley. You couldn't tell me he didn't have a little bit of black in him. Come on now. The, uh, now that I did it, that people say, well, he stole our music and everything like that. That was partly his music too. He was just reintroduced to his origins. That's all that was. He was just reintroduced to his ancestry and his culture. That's all that was. Share. That's right, share. Now tell me you can't you don't pull up something on YouTube and watch some old share videos and watch her dancing and singing, and you tell me that she ain't got no soul in her. Also, Tom Hanks. Now you understand why he is universally accepted by everybody. Don't nobody say nothing bad about Tom Hanks. Not a word. You know why? Because he's a little bit black, at least a little bit. But here's an example. All those people are considered white. All of them. And that's the problem. People of African descent, black people like myself, people of Native American descent, uh, lost that culture and lost the ability to see people succeed and, and see them as them, a part of them, and be able to say to themselves, I can do that too. Nobody believed that they could be president until when Jesse Jackson ran in the eighties. I'm sure there's some other black people that ran in the seventies. They damn sure wasn't running in the sixties. Right. But the whole time, Abraham Lincoln was right there. And there have been, you know, there have been theories that he was black and, and passing. Uh, that's been like a historical theory that he was black and passing. Now we know. But he considered himself white, or maybe he didn't. Maybe he was just saying that in order to, you know, make it in, in this world, make it in this country, because that's what his ancestors told him that he had to do to make it in this country. It's the same old story anytime somebody comes to this country. You have to assimilate in order to be accepted. And if you're a fair skin, you might even get lucky and be considered white. Consider lucky in the standpoint of you can bask in all the privileges of white privilege. But yes, Tom Hanks, you look at him as a white man, but he ain't all white. Cher, you know, Elvis. So this was cool. There's probably more people out there. You know, there's been theories about Babe Ruth, uh, about him being black. The, I, the, the fact of the matter is the point I'm trying to make is so many people lose their identity when they come to this country. And it's sad because this country truly doesn't have their own real identity. When people say, what's the American way? What is the American way? Like, can we describe what our American cuisine is that isn't borrowed from another country? Maybe, uh, I don't know. Like I would say hamburgers, but that's from Germany. Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg, Hamburg, not hamburger, Hamburg, Germany, right? Could it be hot dogs? That's just an offsuit from sausage. It's Polish. 
right? Like, like what is it? Apple pie, but it's also called Dutch apple pie. Like, I don't know. I don't know. All that's the history of this country. We borrowed and we turn it into our own. We remix it. And I don't know why we can't be proud of that. Why can't we be proud of the fact that Americans make Italian food a lot differently than Italians make Italian food, but it's still good. Americans make Mexican food a lot differently than Mexicans make Mexican food, but it's still good. Chinese Americans make Chinese food a lot different than what it is in China, but it's still good. There's nothing wrong from borrowing and remixing. It goes back to the first segment. Yes, all those rappers are descended from rappers before them. They borrow from their style and remix it. And that's the American way. We should just acknowledge that. Acknowledge that sometimes we are originators of something. We're more originators of music, right? Like, and and, and maybe movies and art. Like, that's kind of our thing. And then we borrow from other things and remix it and make it our own. But the point is to acknowledge our past and realize that it all comes from something and realize that even if you're different in this country, hold on to that individuality, hold on to your culture. There's nothing wrong with integrating American culture into your culture, but don't push your culture aside to completely be ingrained in American society because American society is nothing more than remixed other cultures. I love telling stories about my dad. My dad is a a funny, funny, funny character. And it's a growing appreciation I have for my father as I've gotten older because I tried to pull so many scams on my dad when I was younger. And he would always tell me, you know, you're not as slick as you think you are. Everything that you did, I'd have done it. So I see you coming from miles away. And I would always think I, I got over on this one. So he would let me slide on certain things. He was, he would be like, you know what? That's not a fight that I'm going to fight. I don't need to fight this boy on everything. But then sometimes he would have to pull my card on some of these slick schemes that I had. And and make no mistake about it. I was always trying to pull a slick. I'm I'm always trying to wiggle my way out of a situation, all right? Like I could never just be straight up and deal with whatever consequence I had going on. So this was a time that I tried to change my grades on my report card. So it's 1995. I'm a sophomore. No, 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 no. It's 1994. I'm a freshman in high school. And if I'm 14 years old, that means my dad is 35, 36, still a very, very young man, right? Still a very young man. And I had not done so well in one quarter uh, in my report cards. And there was this one particular class I really didn't do well in because I really didn't do well in in that class all the time. And that was science. I forgot what which one it was. It may have been uh, chemistry or biology or something like that. But I, I was never good with the sciences, which is crazy because I'm great at math, but not good in the sciences. And I end up getting a D. That's right. A D as in David, which is not a good thing. I don't bring home bad grades like that. Not at this point in my life. Um, and so I didn't want to deal with the repercussions because what the schools would do 
in Virginia was you would get a report card right before Christmas, right before school let out for Christmas break. Why did they do that to us? Because if you got a bad report card, you're going to ruin your Christmas. So it's 1994. NBA Live 95 isn't out yet. It's called NBA Showdown is out. And I definitely want that for Christmas. I want my NBA Showdown. And so, uh, you know, I, I get what I asked for for Christmas because I don't ever ask for much, right? I only ask for things on my birthday and Christmas, and it's always a video game and the rest of stuff is just filler. So I know I'm going to get that, but I know that it's going to be taken away from me if my dad sees this report card. So what do I do? They had little paper report cards. It wasn't like this cardboard thing. I was like, I'm, I'm going to make a copy of it and just change the grade. Now, this is before computers where you could really go in and change the grades. I don't know what they're doing now, but back in the days, you got a paper, uh, a piece of paper that had all your grades on it. So my genius idea was, uh, even though the logo for our city schools was in blue ink, which means it had a little bit of color in it, Kinko's or whatever it was called at the time, a copying center only did black and white ink. So I was like, hmm, how's he? He's really not going to notice the color because he ain't paying attention to that stuff. Plus, he has bad vision anyway. So I was like, I'm going to go to the copy place. And I'm going to change the grade. So I cut out, <laughs> I went in the newspaper and I cut out a B, right? And I pasted on top of the D and I copied it. And I, I remember showing it to one of my friends that played on the basketball team because I was going, I went and did it before basketball practice. And he saw it and he was like, Yo, why do you have a copy of your report card? And I was like, uh, you know it's a copy, huh? He's like, yeah, obviously I know it's a copy because it's not in color. I was like, yeah, but you know that. But my dad won't know that. He was like, yeah, but it's still a, it still looks like a copy. Remember, this is 1994. The copies don't look that great. And I was like, no, nah, you know, I, you can't see that it was a D. C is a B, and uh, I think I'm going to get away with it. He was like, I don't know. I was like, I'm going to talk, give it to him real fast. I'm gonna, I crumpled it up a little bit, uh, like to act like I would have balled it up because I was mad to make it look more realistic. Um, Fold it up, put it in an envelope and uh, went home. I waited a couple of days because my parents didn't know when the report cards came out. They knew that the time frame, but not the exact date. So I had a little while to build up the courage to give my dad this copy of my report card. So build up the courage and I say, Hey dad, I got my report card. And I think it was like literally the, the week we got out for Christmas break. So it's like maybe a, a week before Christmas, something like that, five or six days before Christmas. So I know more than likely he has already gotten my gifts, right? They've already gotten the gifts. So now I'm going to get a report card. He's not going to take away my Christmas. He won't do that. So I'll deal with whatever punishment I got coming, but he's not going to take away my Christmas. So I give him the report card. He looks at it, pauses, looks at it a little bit more and goes, hmm. And I'm like, uh, everything okay? And he goes, huh. Okay. And I said, okay, dad. And I walk away thinking I'm scot-free. I go back into my room. I think I was playing Madden. Yeah, I, was, I went back in my room, was playing Madden, you know what I'm saying, on my little 13-inch TV. And I'm, 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 I'm feeling good about myself because I done got away with it. Get a little knock on my door. Open the door. It's my dad. And he's got that puzzled look on his face again. And he's got the report card in my hand. 
in his hand. And he's like, mm, son, uh, is this your report card? I was like, what do you mean? Hmm. Is this your report card? I said, yeah, dad, this is my report card. What you talking about? He said, okay. Because uh, it looks a little different than your other report cards. I was like, it does? It seems like it's the same to me. No, nah, no, nah, this is a little different. I was like, I don't know. That's, that's what they gave me. He said, okay. All right. Close the door again. Because he walks away, I close the door again. Go back to playing Madden. I'm starting to get a little nervous because he's asking a lot of questions. And he don't really ask me a lot of questions, but he's asking me a lot of questions. And I'm like, all right, but he walked away again, so maybe he bought it. I get another knock at the door. <laughs> I open the door with my dad again. And he's like, so I'm going to ask you one more time. Is this your report card? Yeah, dad, yeah, that's my report card. Yeah, that's my report card. He said, okay. Real calm. Real calm. This is exactly how he said it. I'll never forget it. It was so many years ago, but I'll never forget it. He says, okay. All right. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to call up the school. And the school verifies what this paper, piece of paper says. We're cool and I apologize for questioning you, son. Walks away. I say, okay. I close the door and I'm thinking to myself, shit. He's going to call that school. This is going to make it a lot worse. I don't know if he's bluffing or if he's telling the truth. But if he's telling the truth, I'm going to make this a lot worse that he had to go through all that effort. Now, I could take the chance that he's bluffing, but I don't know. He seems pretty serious that he's going to call up to school. So what do I do? I get the real report card, not the copied version. And uh, I, I, I say, hey, Dad, uh, that's not my real report card. This is, this is my real report card. And he said, oh, okay. He said, all the grades look the same. I said, that's because I cut out a, a newspaper. Yeah, he's like, no, I see I see the newspaper. That's how I knew that uh, the report card you gave me wasn't real, son. He was like, the letters don't match. You should have got the same font because the letters don't match. He's like, what is your actual grade? Is it a C? I was like, no, nah, dad, it's a D. You got a D? <laughs> okay. Why don't you go on back to your room and I'll come in and talk to you in a little bit. I was like, okay. So I go back to the room. I don't turn on the video game. I turn it off. I'm just laying in my bed, staring at the ceiling. Cause now I don't want to seem like I'm doing anything fun or cool. Cause I don't know what punishment is coming my way. And he waits all night. We have dinner. He doesn't bring it up. We watch some TV as a family later on. He doesn't bring it up. And right before I go to bed, he said, son, had a little chance to think about it. On one hand, I'm glad you finally came forward and told me the truth. On the other hand, as usual, you're a little lying bastard. <laughs> so this is what I'm going to do. You're going to get your Christmas. You're going to get to enjoy your Christmas. You're going to get to open up all your gifts. And on December 26th, I'm taking all of it back, not back away from you, but I'm taking all of it back. You don't get to enjoy any of it again until your very next report card. I was like, dad, that's like six weeks away. I know that. So I got a six week punishment. You got a six week punishment for something that you did. Were you probably going to get punished anyway? Yes, you were. 
but it wouldn't have been as severe if once again, you hadn't tried to pull some slick stuff to get over on me. I keep telling you that I've done everything that you did. So you're not going to get nothing past me, but you still don't want to listen. So this is a six week reminder of you not being able to pull nothing over my head. You ain't never going to fill that up. Fill, figure that out. Dumbass. You always do this. And then he starts getting angry and angry thinking about it because I tried to pull a fast one over him, not realizing that he's smarter than me and is going to figure out what I'm doing. And it was a dumb ass plan in the first place. So sure enough, Christmas Day comes and I get to open up my gifts. I got my game. I got my game, right? I'm playing my game. I got all my clothes out, my new clothes for the new year. I'm excited because, you know, the first day of school, and the first day back from Christmas break, that's when you stunt on your new outfit. That's when you come full and come correct. So I'm looking at my new outfits. I'm like, yo, dad and mom picked out some dope clothes. I'm going to be all right this year. Playing my game all day on Christmas, enjoying the food, eating the cake and the pies, and just enjoying Christmas. I played that game until midnight. Next morning, I get a knock early on my door. Like seven, eight o'clock. It's my dad. Yeah, I'm going to need all those gifts. I was like, oh, oh, you were serious? Oh, oh, no, son. I was as serious as a heart attack. I'm going to need all those gifts. But I was like, dad, uh, at least can I have one outfit to wear on the first day back of school? I can't wear the same outfits that, that I had. I need at least one fresh outfit. He's like, yeah, you can wear that outfit. When I get your next report card, I bet your next report card won't have no D's on it, will you? I was like, no. So I round up everything. I give it back to him. And yes, I was on punishment for six weeks. Not punishment as I couldn't go anywhere or do anything, which I was 14 anyway. So it wasn't like I was really doing much. I could not go and spend a night over at my friend's house and things like that for six weeks. I was on semi-punishment, but I played sports. So I couldn't be on punishment all the time. He had to let me out and do some stuff, but I couldn't play that damn video game and I couldn't wear that funky fresh new clothes. And believe me when I tell you, the worst part of that punishment was going back to school on that first day. And people been like, damn, Bruce, you ain't getting no new clothes for Christmas. You wearing the same stuff that you was just wearing before we left. I was like, no, I got them. But like I got on punishment. Nah, your parents got that layaway situation. When you going to get your clothes in the spring? Well, not actually the spring. It's going to be next report card. That's close enough to the spring. Bruce ain't got no clothes. Bruce didn't get no Christmas gifts. I did. I got punished because I tried and changed my report card. No, nah, that, that was the worst part of it. That was the worst part of it. And not being able to play the video game. But my dad is not good at hiding stuff. What he should have done is he should have took all the stuff and put them in the attic. But what he did was he put all the stuff in his closet. So, Dad, this is the first time I'm letting you know that I found a video game. And every day after school, before you got home, I was playing that game. And I enjoyed it for that two hours before you got home. Every single day. I had beat the game. I had played a full NBA season with Chicago Bulls. But I did absolutely learn a lesson that I could not change my grades, <laughs> that my grades were going to be my grades and I wasn't going to try and pull that anymore. Now, did I learn my lesson on trying to pull slick stuff over my father? No, I like, I was always going to try and be slick around. Like I'm going to try, that's what I was going to do. I'm going to try to scheme some way around and, and get my way. That's what I was going to do. But for all the major things, he always caught me. 
And it's just funny because I reflect back on it now because I'm 43 years old. And when my father was 43 years old, he had a 21 year old son, a 17 year old daughter and a 16 year old son. And I'm like, good God, he had grown kids. By the time he was 44, he had two kids in college and one just just coming up the rear. And, And it was like, wow, like that's a hell of an accomplishment to raise all them kids being that young of an age especially when they're trying to pull slick stuff. Because it wasn't just me. me. My brother and sister was always trying. We were always trying to pull stuff over my mom and dad. And sometimes they let us get away with it. Sometimes they didn't. And then this time, my dad didn't let me get away with it. He pulled my card out and gave me one of the worst punishments that I could have ever received. He took away my Christmas gifts. But I got him back because my grades got better and I got him back. And after that six week was up, I was fresh to death when I went back to school. <laughs> But on that note, that's it for today's episode. I want to thank you for listening and watching wherever you get your video and audio podcast. Remember, you can find all the information on the podcast on our website, unsolicitedperspectives.com. We even got a store. Check out a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt, buy a t-shirt for your whole family. Uh, All that money that comes back to us, whether it's through donations or a Patreon page or t-shirts through the store, help continuously fund this uh, podcast and this video podcast so we can keep giving you this content each and every week for absolutely free, except for the Patreon, but you get more shows on there. And once again, I got to remind you guys, the Patreon page that after hours uncensored is a sibling happy hour that's uncensored. And for those people that do have a Patreon, y'all know what I'm talking about. We get a lot of feedback that y'all really enjoy the shows because it's completely uncensored and, and, uh, all the words that I won't let my sister say on this main broadcast, I let her say on the Patreon page. And hell, I say it too. But once again, thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing. Thank you for liking, commenting, rating us. And until next time, as always, I'll holler. Thank you for listening to Unsolicited Perspectives with Bruce Anthony. Please subscribe, like, comment, share, and donate. Donations help us keep giving you this free content each and every week. Until next time, out of 5,000. Peace.